every single major thing that has happened in my life has happened because God moved somebody to give to me. Uh, I have spent thousands of dollars promoting and marketing and recording and doing this, that, and the other. But again, the major things that have happened in my life have been because somebody gave to me. God moved that person to give. You are listening to the Christian Music Archive podcast, part of the New Release Today podcast network. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I share stories about Christ, community, and music, chatting with musical guests who you will find listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. Hello there. This is a pretty momentous week for me. After almost six years, I'm closing out another life chapter and I'm moving to a new job. For the past 15 years or so, I've worked in the audio video industry as a business manager and a trainer, and most recently for a software company helping those AV businesses succeed. But on Monday, I start a new job at my church, and I couldn't be more excited. One of my passions has been helping people be successful. My most recent work has been consulting and training business owners on how to improve their business through process improvement. Well, starting on Monday, I'm going to transfer that passion to my church as the business administrator. What this means is that instead of coaching businesses, I'm going to be working alongside the pastors and lay people at church to help improve the way we do church. I'll be focusing on melding business and ministry to make sure that we can reach as many people as possible with the good news that Jesus loves them. And this really excites me. In today's podcast, I'm talking with another person who has a passion for helping people grow their ministry. Calvin Bridges was ordained as an elder and minister of the gospel in 1981, and he spent his career mentoring and encouraging people. As a pastor and choir leader, Calvin has a passion for teaching young people and opening doors to minister to the people of Chicago and the rest of the U.S. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation, which we'll get into right after I tell you about the good work of Mercy, Inc. When I tell you about Mercy, Inc. each week, I hope to paint a picture of God's people making a difference worldwide. Today, we are traveling to a Haitian classroom. Picture eight to ten kids sitting on a bench that was made for five. They are dressed in their uniforms, and they're learning to read and write. You see, there is no public school system in Haiti, which is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. So parents have to decide between buying food or sending their kids to school. This is where Starfish Kids comes in. There are 32 Starfish schools throughout Northern Haiti with about 700 sponsored kids. At the heart of the Starfish program is the desire to impact one child's life at a time through a relationship with Jesus. Now, picture those same kids sitting in the dirt courtyards of their home, reading the Bible to their families and neighbors. Picture moms and dads coming to know Jesus because their child shared the good news with them. Your donation makes all of this possible. For just $25 a month, you can sponsor a Haitian child so that they can attend a Starfish school and learn about Jesus. For less than a dollar a day, you share the hope of Jesus and impact a child's life. 
Would you be willing to sponsor a kid today? Visit mercyinc.org. That's mercyinc.org, where you can make a difference today. You probably remember that I've been documenting the folks who are writing music about their walk with Jesus. I've been doing that for more than 20 years. My first exposure to Christian music that was current and not the hymns that my mom and dad were listening to was through a little cassette in some Sunday school curriculum. That's when I was introduced to Russ Taff and the Imperials, and my musical life has never been the same. Ever since that Sunday in junior high, I've been discovering more and more people who make music glorifying God, and one of my more recent discoveries is a man named Calvin Bridges. Calvin is currently a pastor in Chicago, but he has been making music since the 1980s. His album Renew My Spirit was a breakthrough release on the Billboard Gospel album charts back in the 80s, and he's gone on to release more than 20 albums, many of which feature some amazing gospel choirs. There is an energy and heart that a black gospel choir brings that just can't be duplicated in most choirs, and I hope to talk a little bit about the anointing of a great gospel choir. It is a real honor for me to chat with this spirit-filled, joyful man. So join me in welcoming to the podcast, gospel music pioneer, pastor, and my new friend, Calvin Bridges. Welcome, sir. Thank you so much. I don't know about pioneer, but okay. <laughs> You've been doing this for 50 years. That's got to be right. right, up right exactly. Right. All right, go for it. Whatever you say. <laughs> Well, my first, the first time I knew about you was on your album with the Faith Tabernacle Voices called So Much to Be Grateful For. Oh my God, that's the first time you knew about me? That was the first time I knew about you, back in 81. Because that was like in 1980-something. Yeah. The... A lot of your music, you're you're kind of doing the leading uh, a choir thing, but you have a, exactly. period, you had a period of solo stuff. But what is it about leading choir and getting that big voices behind you that just drives what you do, because you've been doing that even today. Yeah. Well, I think, Dave, it is the involvement of engaging others to join in the worship. Mm. This is what I love. You know, I love to do it myself, but when I can incite and, and, and encourage other people to join into the worship, that's when they really get blessed, because I believe that, you know, the Bible teaches us that God inhabits the praises of his people. Yes. Praise is, is a medium that God loves and has ordained for us, but worship is blesses the people. Mm. Worship blesses us because that enters us into his presence where there's the fullness of joy. Yeah. So when we can bring other people into the experience and then they can sing and clap and get a personal revelation, yeah. that's the blessing. Well, so now I have to ask this. Um, mm. I've been a church attender all of my life, and I've heard a lot of choirs sing in all of my life, but there's mm. nothing like a good black gospel choir. What That's is true. it about black gospel music that just makes you guys know how to sing? I, I know I'm, yeah. you guys know how to sing. <laughs> yeah, sing, sing. Okay, I love it, Dave. <laughs> well, here's the deal, man. You know, I believe that God gifts us and all on the earth in in different areas, and I believe that the musical expression, the singing, the dance, the rhythm, is something that God instilled in us innately. So. Uh, there's an interpretation there. And then, you know, it also has a lot to do with one's struggle, with one's mm. culture. When we sing, there's a release. Uh, you know, gospel music sort of came about through the spirituals where, right. we, where we cried in the, in the fields to be released from slavery. So, I mean, it's a telling of our story as, and, you know, like uh, 
as a black man, I'm 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 emotional. Sometimes I'm loud. <laughs> Sometimes it scares people, but you know you have to deal with that part because I'm as, I'm as meek as a lamb as long as you let me be. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's it's just a part of who we are. That's what I'm saying, you know. And so when we cry out, and then um, God has given me a gift, a personal gift, mm. to draw that out of people. Uh, it's the way that I share the gospel. Yeah. When we're singing the songs, it's the communication of the intonation and the inflections with which you should sing this line and what this line means and how we want to um, emphasize what we're saying at this point. So it's it's just it's it's the whole gambit of bringing our understanding, yeah, as well as our uh, gifting to the you know the art. Yeah. Well. (laughs) <laughs> Keep it going, man, because I I can't get enough of it. <laughs> well, let's start let's start by talking about how did you discover that you had this gift of music, and what was it that kind of prompted you to say, "I'm going to make this my career." Okay, so that's that's, that's a lot of loaded questions there, but I <laughs> take one at a time. With, uh, um, in in the beginning, at about uh, I think I was nine years old. Okay, I got a job at a church playing for a church that I couldn't play. I know that I couldn't play. I played the C chord in all three positions for every chord of the song. Yeah. But I felt that either the pastor saw something in me as a child or he was desperate for a musician. <laughs> we'll take the first <laughs> That's one, That's what right? I denied from that experience. So going on from there, growing up and growing older, uh, I was exposed to a lot of gospel music here in Chicago, Illinois, gospel yeah. music mecca. Right. Well, we have the father of gospel music, the queen of gospel music, and so many gospel greats, national and international. So uh, uh, this seed was placed in me when I would hear great choirs sing and with the power that they sang with, when I would hear groups or soloists sing. We used to have a term when get the house. Okay. When the the sermon was singing and tear up the house, there was just, there was nothing like it. Uh, The the whole church was in a frenzy. Yeah. So uh, all of this Along with my, and also in my youth, we had a a, a theater here called the Regal Theater. I don't know if you're familiar with it. On 40, 47th and King Drive, the Regal Theater was where they had live stage shows. Okay. Where every black artist under the sun came to perform, uh, especially all of the Motown Review, James Brown, you name it, Dionne Warwick, yeah. Aretha Franklin. Everybody came through the Regal. And then you could see all of those stars in stage shows, which lasted about an hour and a half, for $1.80. You could see all of them. And oh, then wow. they had these boring Western movies in between each stage show. <laughs> so if you stayed, you could see the show again. Oh. So that's when I got the show business book. Okay. So fast forward to to actually doing the uh, work of, of teaching choirs and things. Uh, uh, I got my third job uh, as a musician from a a man named Reverend Johnny Ross. And just watching him and listening to him teach choirs, I learned how to extract harmony. Uh, I learned how to exact a performance from singers and and all of this sort of thing. So just being very visual, being uh, very perceptive, and and knowing within myself that says, God, I can do that too. <laughs> so I went on and did it. It has to have been a God-given gift, right? Because I mean, yeah, no. there's no formal training. You didn't say anything about formal training, music theory, no. any of that stuff. 
No, that didn't come till much later in my life. Uh, I was playing by ear long before I learned anything about notes. And uh, theory theory was what really gave me my wings professionally. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, theory I took in first year of college. And uh, that's when I learned so much of what I already knew. I learned to give it names, technical mm, names. Yeah. And this is what theory taught me. So uh, from theory, I went on and took a little harmony and... Uh, then I quit school and started working because I liked the money part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And uh, opportunities came. You know, I started in secular music, really professionally, okay. uh, along with the church thing. But uh, God bless me. I will go to here and then I'll stop. Uh, in 1972, I had an opportunity to travel to Europe before I ever went to New York or California okay. in, in the United States. And I did a USO show oh, called yeah. The Soul Hoedown. And uh, when I came back, the pastor of the church was preaching one Sunday. And he says, when we pray, we talk to God. But when we read the Bible, God speaks to us. Right. But right. man, I had been in church all my life, and I had never heard anybody talk about God speaking directly to us. So mm. I wanted to know what God was saying to me. So that really started me seriously reading the Bible. And that put me on the path of uh, doing gospel music exclusively. And... Uh, the rest is history. Well, you kind of that touched. Was a thousand years ago. <laughs> you don't look quite that old. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, God has been good to me, man. <laughs> I don't look like what I've been through. You touched on this, and and I always love to hear people's testimony because I think it's important as believers we can know about God, and like you said, you know about talking to God, but about about talk, God talking to you was a revelation to you. What was it? You said you started in church at nine, lead, uh, leading mm -hmm. worship. What was mm -hmm. it? Uh, can you point to the time where you realized this relationship with Jesus, God loving me personally, is something that is for me and not what mama and dad told me or what I heard about at church? Wow. Uh, well, I had many infillings. Uh, let me say, you know, I was just thinking about this the other day, Dave. I was talking to God. I grew up on the west side of Chicago okay. in what we would commonly call slums third floor walk up. Um, sometime my playmates would be the roaches and the rats. And we had a big heater in the middle of the kitchen that heated the whole house. So one day I was looking out of the window and I was looking at the birds flying outside and sitting on the electric wires. And then I looked at the roach crawling up the windowsill wall. And I said to myself, I said, God, I'm different from, from them. Um, there's something different about me. Right. That was when I sort of became an awareness of God. So fast forward, going to church with my aunt, I was baptized in the apostolic faith in Jesus' name. She told me when I was seven. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she told me at that time when I was seven. And I went to a church called the Bethlehem Healing Temple where they had crutches and canes and all kinds of apparatus lining the walls from people who had been healed wow. of their diseases. Yeah. So uh, that was my first conscious encounter of receiving Jesus Christ. Then I had a neighbor who took me when I was about 11 or 12 to a Billy Graham uh, crusade. Yeah. And man, I, I ran up to the front. That was what I believe I seriously gave my life to the Lord, hearing the word preached from an evangelist, Billy Graham. Yeah. And then, you know, through life's experiences, you are in church and you're in the world, but you know, so God has always had his hand on my life. So fast forward to the uh, uh, late seventies, early eighties, when, uh, 
I began to really think about where my life was and what I was doing with my life. And this is when uh, I say, God, the greatest gift you've given me is my voice. And I want to use my voice to give you glory. And this is when uh, it became really serious for me because uh, I was, um, I did a, a, a national TV special, a PBS special with Patti LaBelle. Okay. And her husband was managing me at the time. Long story short, he wanted me to sing secular music. This was that during that period when God was really dealing with me and yeah. no, that was not what I wanted to do. So I walked away from that and uh, I haven't looked back since, you know, and that's, that's, uh, that's one of the most wonderful things about uh, really giving your heart to the Lord and, and, and uh, living for him. When you really do that, he is faithful. All these years he's been yeah. faithful and that's been over 50 years ago. So I just am, am thanking and praising God for keeping me and his word being uh, uh, true. You know, yeah. God is faithful. Yeah. Well, at some point then uh, you started singing professionally exclusively for gospel music. Um, mm -hmm. and But at some point you went then back and you were ordained, right? You became... Well, I became a Baptist minister first, and then I was ordained an elder in the churches of God in Christ. Okay. That same pastor that talked to me about the Bible... He came to me when, when I was uh, still in my early 20s and told me I was a prophet. Well, I didn't want to hear that. So <laughs> I mean, I'll say, okay, fine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> but anyway, uh, some years later, um, I was in uh, service at the Fellowship Baptist Church, and I heard the Reverend Dr. E.V. Hill preach a song oh, yeah. the Hog Pen Trail, and it was about the prodigal son. And the Lord dealt with me in that service till I just broke down and cried and cried. Yeah. And I realized then I'm through running, God. I'll say yes to the call on my life. So it was at that point that I uh, received my calling into the ministry. And uh, then from there, I was ordained at the Faith Tabernacle Baptist Church. Well, I went to seminary for a minute Yeah. prior to that. But I was ordained at the, fellowship, at the Faith Tabernacle Baptist Church in 1981. And... Uh, that's when the, the ministry came. And then some years later, I was a part of the Churches of God in Christ, and I was ordained an elder in the Churches of God in Christ, which the titles are, you know, they mean the same thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then again, like I alluded to very much earlier, I was baptized as a child in Jesus' name, which is of the apostolic faith denomination, okay. of which I am currently active. But, you know, they believe in baptizing in Jesus' name. For me, it's all semantics yeah. because it's about relationship and God knowing who you are, yep. just like you know who he is. That's yep. what it's all about. So, yeah. so yeah. hallelujah. Yeah. Don't screaming here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is the blessing that, uh, so I'm saying all of this to say that God has had his hand on me all my life. Yeah. And it's just, and it's and that's true of so many of us. We just have to slow down long enough of our own agenda to find out and, and to connect with God and and see what His path is and see what He's saying. Well, you know, it's interesting, Calvin. You said two things. Two pastors now said the, the the pastor when you were nine said, "I think you should be the the be the music guy." Whether he recognized uh, talent in you or, like you said, yeah. we're desperate. But then this other right. pastor that that poured into you. These are people. These are men that said to you, "You have something. I recognize something in you." And yes. that has carried forward now where you've been doing that to other men and women. Talk about the importance of 
pouring into each other the gifts that God has given us? And then how do we recognize the gifts in other people to encourage and pull that out of them like, like was done for you? Well, I think I will begin by simply saying that uh, Jesus taught us that it's more blessed to give than to receive. He said, freely, freely you give, freely you receive. Um, for God so loved the world, he gave. Yeah. Um, so this is a, a recurring message in the word of God for our lives, the importance of giving. And uh, I realize for myself, every single major thing that has happened in my life has happened because God moved somebody to give to me. Mm. Uh, I have spent thousands of dollars promoting and marketing and recording and doing this, that, and the other. But again, the major things that have happened in my life have been because somebody gave to me. God yeah. moved that person to give. So I think it's extremely important to give and not have that jealous heart. You know, sometimes when you are gifted and you go into an arena of many other gifted people, that pride and that jealousy will, uh, that envy of, of, of wanting to be like somebody else or have that measure of the gift. But that's something that I learned to beat down many, many years ago um, because I, I've always believed that God loved me. I was crazy enough to believe that God loved me <laughs> as much as he loved you. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. there's really you know, no need for me to be jealous of you because if I ask him and believe him for it, he will do for me just like he's done for somebody else. Yeah, It's so important to give. And that's one of the things that uh, some of the choir leaders, particularly in Europe, have said to me about my spirit to give and to let other people lead songs and and, and, and all of this sort of thing. But well, I mean, I've been hollering and screaming for 50 <laughs> years. So <laughs> it's, it's my joy to encourage someone else and to, to push them out and to uh, not necessarily give them a platform, but to affirm in them mm, yeah. what they're gifted to do. Because God will, will open the door and God will give the platform as we are ready to move into the, to whatever arena or whatever stage. But uh, uh, it is that, Encouraging. And then this is something else that I believe that's important to me. When I take the time to sow into somebody else's life and give to somebody else, that's pouring right back into me, baby. So I, mean, I love to be blessed. So please let me bless you so God can bless me. <laughs> Isn't that amazing how it's circular like that? It just keeps oh, coming back yes, around. Yes, yeah. It's very reciprocal. And, and, you know, these are little gems about kingdom life, yes. kingdom messages, kingdom living that. I think that we would have a a a, a different. Uh, there would be a greater impact of witness if sermons were like this mm. regularly. The things that Jesus taught regularly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we would, you know, look at those things about our lives, about not judging so much and and being more loving toward one another, and letting the wheat and the tares grow together and. Uh, and, and knowing that if whatever mind we judge with will be judged, whatever measure we give, we'll get back again. Well, I tell your brother about the speck that's in your eye when it's a board in your eye. These are the things that Jesus taught. Yeah. Um, and I ain't talking about Paul, Peter, James, John, and Mary. I'm talking about the things that Jesus, who is the living word, the yeah. revelation of God uh, in, the, in the earth realm. So it, it, is, it, 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 it is this that uh, has propelled my life 
And I believe this is why God has blessed me and sent me. I've been doing international music ministry now for 26 years. Yeah. And God is continually opening doors. And I'm going to Italy in a couple of weeks wow. to a group that I've never been to before. So I, I continually praise God for opening doors and for whatever they see in me and in, 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 in my ministry and my anointing. I'm grateful to the Lord for that. One of the purposes that I started this podcast way back two years ago, I can't believe it's been that long, but is the recognition that we need community. And what you're mm -hmm. talking about, about pouring into each other, about you know the, the cycle of giving and getting back is all yes. about community. And as you, as you alluded to, you've traveled, and especially this last two, three years, our world is just divided by all kinds of stuff. I personally have a big gripe because I, I think social media is one of those things because it's not cycle, right? It's, I put it out there and I'm yelling at you, but I'm not listening to you. Mm -hmm. So what is it about this cycle, this community, this giving and receiving that we're missing in our culture today? That And, and, and how can we as believers instill that back into a hurting culture that, in my mind, they just need people to talk and love on them? You know, you kill me with these compound questions that have 10 answers. <laughs> okay, so first of all, the first thing that I'd like to address, and then you just steer me back to where I need to be. We need to realize that social media, the Word of God teaches us that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. So when we talk about social media, movies, television, even the music industry, all of these things are driven in many areas mm. by demonic forces. Yeah. And we as believers must be aware of what we allow into our spirits and, and, and what we reject. So we have to be aware of that and not buy into the news media, mm -hmm. which is uh, focused on fear. Yes. And, uh, uh, and, and you know, so it, it just goes on and on and on. Okay, so uh, I forgot half of what I'm supposed to answer. <laughs> Well, we're talking about how do how do we take our society and build that community back and be doing this giving and to each other and pouring into each other to embolden well, us. I, I think the first place that I'll start is with the pastors, the pastors and the teachers. Exactly what you're speaking about now. I'm a member of Apostolic Faith Church. Bishop Horace Earl Smith, MD, is my pastor, mm -hmm. and I say all of that because I love him so much. But these past two years. That's exactly what he has been talking about, community, us being a community of believers, supporting one another, loving one another. This has been his whole focus because this is what the church is all about. So when I say it must first come from the leadership because the anointing flows from the head to the body. So this is, a, a, this is going to make a big, big difference. And unfortunately, our society, our Christian society is focused on mega this and the greatest that and 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 all of those sorts of things which are, are nice things but they're not things that are going to build community right they're not going to build us up personally and our personal walk our personal because uh this is what matters when all of the lights go out and everybody else leaves what's your relationship between you and god how can you make it from one moment to the next one day to the next how can you have a vision of, of, of success for the future, a vision of faith for the future, 
when you don't have that bread and you need that living bread, you need that word of God. I need for you to encourage me. I need to know that when I share with you that not only are you listening, but you're encouraging me, not just with good words, Dave, but with words from the word of God, because that was going to make a difference. That's what's going to change. Um, Counselors, uh, I always laugh at myself because when people ask me who's my manager, and then I'll even take it to who's my who's my therapist. Well, the Holy Spirit is my therapist. Jesus is my manager. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, who I look to to solve my problems. I, you, we've been taught as a society to look outside of ourselves, to look outside of community. This is a secular thinking. This is not kingdom thinking because we are a body. So when we have that consciousness that we are a body again, and when we are, you know, I have a story that I tell, Lord, I'm, I'm talking so much, but this is, this is, uh, I think is vital to what I'm saying. I went to see Patty LaBelle one time. I told you I worked with her right. years ago. I went to see her one time a lot later. And I usually always had backstage passes in the, in, in my seating. This time there were no backstage passes. So I had a date with me. I wanted her to meet Pat and so-and-so and yada, yada. So at the end of the concert, we were standing around the stage door like all the other groupies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, her assistant came down, which seemed like an eternity later, and cracked the door open about that wide. She looked out, and then she went back. Then a couple of minutes later, she came down and says, you can go up, you can go up, you, you, you. Well, I was in that number, so me and my date went up. We met Pat, we spent some time with her, so it was a wonderful thing. But you know what I learned from that, and I share this in my concerts, in my word ministry? It was good that I knew Patty LaBelle. Yeah. But it was better that Patty LaBelle knew me mm. because that's what got me upstairs. Yeah. Because her sister recognized me. It was so important that we have a relationship. Yes. Not just that we know God, but that God knows us. Oh. Because we know when he knows our voice, when then, hallelujah, then we can tap into those things that 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 uh, uh oh my God, those blessings. Yes. We can tap into all of those great things, those great gifts, those anointings those blessings that uh, he's already ordained for us to walk in. Yeah. Hallelujah. So that's the relationship. So that's what community is about, relationship. And it's being filled with God and the relationship we have with him that, I mean, he's going to pour more into us than we can handle and it's going to spill out over everybody else. That's where we start getting messy with each other and giving and receiving because we're sharing the overflow of what God has given us. Yes. So I really praise the Lord for these experiences that he's given to me, you know, I, I did a, I was under attack really by the IRS in huh. <laughs> an audit. And uh, I had an opportunity to go to Norway. I went to Norway to a revival in Bergen. And uh, I went as a tag along. I wasn't even invited. Somebody else was invited. <laughs> I went as a tag along. <laughs> and uh, while there, we met a pastor from Kenya. Mm. It was a little short, dark man, very dark. Uh, to hear him speak, to look at his demeanor, he looked like he could have been the janitor. Oh. Come to find out the man had a mighty anointing. He pastored 20,000 members in Mombasa, Kenya. Well, the following year, after I played and, and my ministry partner sang and stuff, we didn't think any more of that. Even it was nice meeting him everything. Yeah. He contacted me and invited me to his church in Kenya to teach praise and worship. Ah. <laughs> I had never taught praise and worship in my life, Dave. <laughs> but I, I knew I knew that I was anointed. Yeah. 
you know, so I that that much I knew. So I just praise God. I'm saying that to say I'm thanking God for how in the midst of my struggle and my distress I was in. Yeah. Uh, I was able to get a trip and go and then meet somebody that I didn't even know anything about who saw something in me, who poured into me, who sent me a ticket to come to his church and to stand before his people. And uh, it was just, you know, again, everything that has happened to me, God has given me. Yeah. So um, uh, it's that connection. It's that relationship. It's that uh, uh, being plugged into what, what God is walking is about walking humbly with God. Yeah. Then God will do something with you, brother. Well, it's been interesting for me the last few, probably about a month, I've changed the way I pray in the morning. I used to pray in the morning, Lord, bless what I do today. And now, uh, the last month or so, I've really been trying to pray, Lord, I want to work with you today. And that's exactly what you're talking about. It's saying, Amen. I'm going to take whatever it is, God, that you're doing, I'm going to go along with you because that's that relationship again. And Amen. and our God loves us so much that he just wants to bring his arms around us and say, yes, let's go do this together. And that's where the exciting journey comes, like you've been talking about. Amen. And then there's a, 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 a real key to establishing that. Uh, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Mm -hmm. As Jesus prayed, Lord, I know what's before me. I know my mission, but if it's possible, yeah. let this cup pass for me. Then Jesus says, Lord, not as I will, your will be done. Yeah. So whenever I pray, whatever my desire is, after I pray that, and I mean it sincerely, then I say, God, your will be done. Show me your will. Yeah. When you do that, that's what you're talking about yeah. right now. Lord, line me up with your will for my life then we know that we're walking in the best uh, possible conditions that we can walk in, even if we feel attacked or, or God will let you realize that this is an attack of the enemy and he'll give you the fortification not to be intimidated, not to be fearful, but to continue in faith and in prayer. So it is, it is knowing that when we pray, Lord, let your will be done that God will move on our behalf, and the devil can't do nothing with us. Hey, thanks for spending so much time with us today, Calvin. But before we go, would it be all right if I shared your current song, Jesus is Lord? I wish you would. Please do. I believe Jesus came. He was crucified, died, and buried on the third day, rose again. And I confess, him with my mouth, Jesus is Lord, no doubt.
Every Saturday, I send out a newsletter to a bunch of people that are committed to praying for musicians. How can we specifically be praying for you in the weeks and the months that are in front of us? Wow. Okay, I have a real passion to do the work that God has, has, has commissioned my hand to do, to finish that work. So I'm a, a prayer that every hindrance would be broken, that God would speak clearly, that no. God always speaks clearly, that I will listen, that I will be able to hear clearly, yeah. and then that I will speak what God says speak, and then that I will see God manifest what he has said. If uh, if you pray for me in that way, wow, we'll have the most magnificent outpourings of God's presence and rejoicing, yeah. because in this world we will have tribulation, but Jesus said, be of good cheer. So my ministry is a ministry of joy, it's celebration, and uh, this is what I want to bring to the people of God. And the last thing I want to say about praying for me, but not just for me, praying for the kingdom. I'm glad I'm able to get this in. So many Christians read the Bible, but don't believe the Bible. <laughs> yeah. So we need to start believing what the word of God says. And when I say that I'm going to point to Matthew 24, Luke 21, about what's going on in the world today. And so many people are saying, where is God? Where is God in all of this? It's all in God's word, where we are, what's going to happen. And if we humble ourselves before him, because he says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And everything God does is to the pleasure of his will, not to mine. Lean not to my own understanding, but acknowledge him. So when we bring that consciousness to our prayer time and our prayer life, then we'll see God moving, and I believe, miraculous ways. So please pray those things into my life and into the kingdom. Because I need all y'all's help. <laughs>
Thanks, Calvin. I appreciate your reminder of the importance to be pouring into each other as the body of Christ. Some people call it mentorship, others use the word discipleship, but the bottom line for me is spending time with each other, walking through life together, and seeking what it means to be a follower of Christ. I also appreciate Calvin's story about getting backstage to see his friend Patty LaBelle. Her assistant picked him, along with a few other people, not because he knew Patty, but because Patty knew him. That reminds me of a story from my own life. When I was in junior high, we had a family reunion at the beach. One morning, I got up extra early and took a walk down the beach, and on my way back to the camp, I saw someone walking towards me. It turns out it was my grandma walking straight toward me. When we finally got together, I told her that I was surprised that she came out to me, and I asked, how did you know that it was me walking towards you? Her answer really surprised me. She said, I knew it was you because I recognized the way you walk. Both of these stories have made me think about my walk with Jesus. Does God recognize me enough to let me backstage or even to walk toward me when I'm spending time with him? Two scriptures come to my mind as I think about how well I know God. In John 10, 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. And then in verse 27, Jesus continues by saying, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Then in Matthew 25, uh, Jesus is talking about the final judgment and how he's going to be separating those who have followed him from those who haven't. And the way we will be separated out as chosen followers is because of the way we interacted with others, feeding the hungry, giving drinks to those who were thirsty, inviting strangers into our homes, and so forth. So how well does God know you and me? Are we spending enough time with Jesus doing his work so that he recognizes who we are? Or are we just going to church on Sunday to check off some kind of requirement? This is yet another reminder that I want to say yes to whatever it is God is asking of me. And to know that, I have to spend time with him so that I can recognize his voice and he recognizes me. This week, I featured Calvin Bridges' song, Jesus is Lord, which you can find on his album, Gospel Church Generations. You can find this single on all of the streaming platforms or by visiting his website, which I sure encourage you to do. Calvin has also invited us to reach out and say hello so I've included all of Calvin's contact information in the show notes for this episode. Thanks again for being part of this podcast family. The fact isn't lost on me that you choose to listen each and every week. And as a regular listener to this podcast, would you be willing to rate us on your favorite podcast app? I was notified by a potential guest that in order for them to appear on the podcast, I need at least 100 four-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. So your reviews not only help spread the word about this show, but help me book future guests for these weekly chats. So thanks for helping spread the word. Now to wrap things up today, I'm reminding you of this fact. God loves you. You know what? He's crazy about you. It's time for another mischievous Maurer's miscellaneous misquotes. Dolphins are so smart that within a few weeks of captivity, they can actually train a human to stand by the pool and throw them fish. 